0: This is MSEI Perspectives, your source for insights for global investors and access to research and expertise from across the investment industry. I'm your host, Adam Bass, and today is September 8th, 2022. Inflation. Seems to be a topic we just can't get away from, and a topic that once again is on everyone's mind. Today on the program, we'll be talking about inflation, including Some reactions coming out of the recent Fed meeting in Jackson Hole, Europe's situation as the ECB meets, and whether reports of the demise of the 60-40 equity bond mix are premature. With us to do so are two MSCI Perspectives regulars, MSCI's Head of Portfolio Management Research, Andy Sparks,
1: my focus is on fixed income, as well as multi-asset investment problems that um, investors are facing in the current market environment.
0: And Thomas Verbrocken, Executive Director of MSCI's Risk Management Solutions Research Team.
2: I'm working out of the Budapest office and focusing quite a bit on, on stress testing and following monetary policies.
0: And with that, let's dive right in. Andy, Thomas, Welcome back to the program. Um, the Fed in the U.S. recently had their annual meetings in Jackson Hole. And afterwards, Chair Powell gave a speech, as he as he normally does. Last year's was especially notable. And this speech, to say the least, moved the markets quite a bit. What happened? What, what did he talk about?
1: Yeah, and I think to fully appreciate what he talked about, it, it's useful to understand what he talked about prior to that meeting. So let's go back to the June and July um, FOMC meetings. And at both of those meetings, Fed Chair Powell did did talk hawkishly about the necessity of reducing inflation. But the market interpreted some of his comments as leaving open the possibility of eventual rate cuts in 2023 if the economy weakened too much. He also mentioned the possibility of the Fed being able to engineer a soft landing, move forward to Jackson Hole, and the tone was very different. He had what I'm calling his Gettysburg moment. He kept his speech short and he spoke very clearly. He emphasized the pain that would be felt broadly within the economy as the Fed moves to lower inflation. And he also did not mention the soft landing scenario. I liken this a little bit to a tug-of-war between Powell and the market. Powell has been trying to get the market to think that rates will be higher for longer as the Fed aggressively reduces inflation. The problem is that the market has been thinking that the Fed's resolve to raise rates and lower inflation could be compromised and ultimately overturned if the economy weakened. And so this created an inverted forward curve for short rates in 2023, which suggested the Fed would begin to soon ease after hiking rates in 2022. This is very strange behavior and called into question the Fed's credibility with, with market participants. But since the Jackson Hole speech, we have seen a much less inverted forward curve, suggesting that the market now thinks a little more that the Fed will be successful in raising rates and they will not begin reducing rates until later on in 2023. And the magnitude of the rate declines um, will be less than the market had been thinking a couple of weeks ago. So again, I do liken it a little bit to a tug of war. It's sort of like the market pulls this way. We think you're going to do this Fed. The Fed says, no, we're going to do that. And we've
0: spoken quite a bit with you, Andy, about the importance of those statements to move markets, especially. Do you think that was on Powell's mind? One, when shifting tone, but also the the brevity, right? The Gettysburg address likeness of 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 his remarks. How conscious of a decision do you think that was?
1: I think it was very conscious, and uh, the Fed and the Fed chair place a lot of emphasis on on transparent communication and the fact that the market misinterpreted and the Fed's mind misinterpreted what Powell said at the um, June and July FOMC press conferences, I think sort of underscored to the Fed, let's make sure there's no mistake in, in participants' minds. We are going to be aggressively targeting inflation, lowering inflation even, even at the cost of pain to um, to the economy and to the labor market. And
0: Thomas, generally speaking, what are we looking at in Europe compared to the U.S.?
2: There is a worse dynamic in in Europe um, than in the U.S. We see inflation is still trending upwards. The August flash estimate for headline inflation went up, but also core inflation, you know, leaving out food and energy that also went up from 4% in July to 4.3% in August. So this could indicate broadening inflationary pressures. Uh, another thing, what is actually an interesting, interesting if you look at the um, flash estimate and the breakdown between countries, is that there is a, a large dispersion between countries. For example, in the Baltic states, we see headline inflation between 20 and 25%, which is uh, really high. Whereas in France, it's um, it's the lowest with 6.5%. So this dispersion makes the job for the ECB quite a bit harder. And then you have, of course, the, the other thing that the ECB has been far less aggressive than the Fed um, in tightening its monetary policy. So the euro has fallen below par against the dollar, which in turn, again, adds further inflationary pressures because the costs of imports and especially energy become more expensive. And then a the last data point, which might be interesting, um, is the job market, which is also uh, very tight in the Eurozone.
0: And also, obviously, energy, as you mentioned, especially with the effects of the ongoing Ukraine war, it sounds like energy prices in Europe are not going down anytime soon, are they?
2: We have to, to see what, what's happening. Um, actually, the European Commission is now talking about uh, implementing price caps on, on energy prices. So... The future will tell how how that will play out during winter times when the demand for energy is higher, um, but I think this will be a major factor in the story going forward.
0: So let's look forward there um, in Europe as as well as the U.S. We can start anywhere. What are investors looking at going forward?
1: So U.S. market implied inflation expectations have fallen very significantly over the past couple of months, and the. Market now sees U.S. inflation at about 2.5% over the next year. This stands in very sharp contrast to actual inflation over the past year of 8.5%. And I think skeptics could rightfully ask if the bond market is crazy. And maybe the market is crazy, but we do think that investors need to take seriously the possibility of significantly lower inflation in the U.S. Commodity prices, including the price of oil, are down significantly. And the most inf- most recent inflation readings in the U.S. have also showed slowing inflation. I think the fundamental issue now is really how much inflation will fall and where will it bottom out. Will it be 4% or 3% or 2% and so on?
0: In the Eurozone,
1: Thomas?
2: Well, we, we see a similar trend here. Um, in the sense that inflation expectations for the next 12 months have come down, but they're still at higher levels here in the Eurozone, around 6%. Um, what is interesting, though, is that if you look out a bit further, based on, on market data and the implied inflation expectations, we see that um, a year from now, investors are expecting inflation to come down steeply to levels close to the ECB's target of 2%. That's an interesting Um, Expectation, and we will see whether um, these market expectations are correct. But if it turns out to be true and inflation will indeed plunge, then the big question is how the economy will do in the meantime. What I mean by that is, will inflation come down because of a deep recession or will the ECB be able to manage to bring down inflation without inflicting major economic pain? And this goes back to some of the scenarios we talked about earlier in our blog post. Will it be more of a of a soft landing scenario, um, or will it be, um, you know, a scenario where the economy will uh, will suffer more? Obviously, the energy crisis here will be will be a major factor to answer this question.
0: And, and that's that's a huge question, both in the eurozone and the U.S. Right? The idea, Andy, you mentioned it as well. Yes, it can bring inflation down, but at what cost? do we achieve that that soft landing what what are markets showing there in terms of that expectation
1: I think they've moved away and in a probabilistic sense I think um, they're they're thinking that a soft landing is still a possibility is just less likely than a couple of months ago and I'd say that's particularly true in in Europe and the UK but even in the U.S., I, I think there is some concern that the economy is going to be slowing. By by a technical definition, some might argue the U.S. is already in a recession. That technical definition being has, um, has GDP been negative for the past two quarters, and it has in the U.S. You know, it, it, it hasn't stretched into certain parts of the economy. And so, for example, the consumer spending is still pretty strong in the U.S. The labor market continues to be tight. So the NBER, which is uh, the entity in the U.S. that that many observers look at for, for defining a recession, still has not proclaimed a recession in the U.S. But the important thing is going forward, what do we think is going to be happening to the, the economy? And I'm, I'm focusing in the U.S. right now. But um, if you look at GDP forecasts from the Atlanta Fed, for example, they see um, GDP reaching into positive growth for Q3. So we'll just have to see.
0: And and Thomas, on the day that this episode will go live, we should say we're recording a couple of days earlier. There, there is a meeting. Uh, the ECB is meeting. What are we expecting from the ECB?
2: So far, the ECB has been um, behind the curve. What concerns monetary tightening, at least compared to the US. But it seems they're turning around now. So at, at Jackson Hole, Isabel Schnabel, uh, uh, an ECB board member also gave a speech and she emphasized, you know, in the Eurozone, there is a risk of current high inflation becoming entrenched in expectations. And she emphasized that central banks need to act forcefully. What we also see is that ECB rate setters are now focusing more on current levels of inflation instead of forward-looking expectations. And the tone has become more hawkish um, in recent times. So it seems the risks of entrenched inflation is now outweighing the, the risk of an economic slowdown. So longer term, what, what market data points to is that um, the ECB will continue hiking rates into 2023. And unlike the US where markets were kind of pricing some um, some rate cuts in 2023, we, we don't see that in the Eurozone. And what we also see in, you know, when looking at market data and compare it to a couple of um, months ago we see that the the anticipated rate hike path is a lot steeper nowadays which of course isn't a surprise with the with the change in the tone of uh, of the ecb's messaging one thing we have to keep in mind is that you know the the ecb has i think less leeway than the fed there's the issue of the the high energy prices which are you know a headwind to economic growth in the block but what we also have here is the the issue of fragmentation risk namely the, you know, the risk of diverging borrowing costs for the eurozone countries. And, um, and that's something the ECB um, will also keep in mind.
0: You know, we, we talk a lot about how actions by the Fed have effects throughout the world. But I'm curious, Andy, how closely will the Fed and other monetary policy officials in the US be watching what happens at the ECB meeting?
1: These central bankers pay close attention to to what the uh, the others are doing. But as Thomas mentioned, there are, I think, very important differences in the dynamics. And uh, effectively, the ECB is a much tougher job and the Bank of England also has a much tougher job than the Fed because the uh, reduced uh, flow of energy from Russia, it's a huge jolt to the economies. And in contrast, in the U.S., the U.S., largely consumes energy that is produced in the US. So the disruption in energy is much less apparent in the US than in um, than in many parts of Europe. The negative jolt is not as strong. And that gives the Fed call it protection, to be more aggressive at hiking rates. And so traditionally inflation in the Eurozone has been um, quite a bit lower than in the US. But if you look at market implied expectations now, the market is thinking inflation's going to be higher in the eurozone for the next few years um, compared to the us so that's a real difference of dynamic
0: and of course when we're talking about inflation talking about the potential future of rate hikes extremely important but there are some other signals to look at right what what are some of those other signals that we should be paying attention to right now thomas
2: well, in sovereign bond markets, what we see recently is that um, bond yield volatility is is going up um, and also liquidity is deteriorating compared to last year. On that being said, we're still far or relatively far from, from levels seen during the, the great financial crisis. But it is worthwhile to monitor these metrics because they could be a warning sign for distress in, in bond markets. And that's obviously something you want to be aware of as, a, as an investor. Another indicator that you know, people often uh, look at is the slope of interest rate curves. And um, the thinking here is that an inversion of the curve could, could indicate some um, economic trouble ahead. And when we look at the slope of the yield curve using the, the 10 year and the one year tenor, then we have indeed seen an inversion in the US yield curve and a significant flattening in in the Eurozone as well in the past month. So a, a third, to pay attention to, when I mentioned already earlier, the uh, in in the context of the fragmentation risk, is what happens to spreads of you know European uh, sovereign bonds, and in particular the Italian spread is, is something to follow closely. So as the ECB will continue tightening, these spreads can can move upward as they increase the borrowing costs of um, of, of those countries and put them in in more trouble to, um, to pay back. But also in Italy, we have you know elections coming up and political parties over there are promising to reduce taxes and in- increase spending. But with Italian debt to GDP already at around 150%, not all investors are comfortable. And, and we've seen the Italian spread um, rising
1: Let let me follow up a little bit on the topic of liquidity. Using different measures of liquidity, it appears to us that liquidity in the government bond market, the U.S. government bond market, traditionally viewed as the most liquid, deepest market in the world, liquidity has been deteriorating. And it's been a gradual erosion of liquidity since approximately September, October 2021, which... Perhaps not coincidentally, is also when inflation began to um, unexpectedly increase in the U.S. And one view of this is that the Fed's uh, intervention—it's—it's it's, um, quantitative um, easing programs and now quantitative tightening programs—are are having a material impact on liquidity in the Treasury market and the deterioration in the liquidity market typically has spillover effects to other markets, uh, including the corporate bond market, but also including international markets. And so I think this is an important issue to focus on. And just there's a little bit of background, in in the early days of COVID in uh, March of 2020, March, April, May, the Fed engaged in unprecedented intervention in the Treasury market. And we may be seeing the the unwind of that right now as the Fed is engaged in its balance sheet reduction program, which by the way was is being ramped up in, um, in September of this year, so this month. I think the concern is that as the Fed withdraws monetary stimulus and it reduces its balance sheet, that liquidity will continue to deteriorate. The real concern is that if there is some shock to the system, something that's not even on the radar screen now, but some negative shock to the system. Whereas the Fed in early 2020 was dealing with very low infre- inflation and had um, seemingly uh, unlimited ammo to intervene. This time around, um, given relatively high inflation, it might be very hard for the Fed to intervene. And so this erosion in liquidity could worsen. As market participants look at th- different potential scenarios, um, this is one we think they should be paying attention to.
0: There definitely have been a number of articles on this subject saying that the unwinding of these holdings could actually be the bigger threat. How important is that? How much attention should investors be paying to that side of the ledger?
1: Probably more than they're paying right now. In early 2020, that erosion in liquidity was very concentrated, literally within um, one or two months. Um, This time around, it's just been much more gradual. But it's been occurring again ever since um, September, October of 2021, and it doesn't seem as though it's peaked. And so, particularly as the Fed becomes more aggressive at reducing its balance sheet, it has a it has definitely the potential to worsen. And ultimately, the Fed um, does have some tools in its toolkit which could help out. But the biggest tool would be quantitative easing, which stands in direct contrast to what they're trying to do. So. Fed Chair Powell did not comment on this at the Jackson Hole meeting, he does not. He did not comment on it at the July FOMC meeting. I'll be curious to see in the September FOMC meeting if he d- does address it, because I think it is becoming more apparent on investors' radar screens, so we'll have to see what the Fed comment is, but the reality is, is that um, it's played such a strong role in the markets that it may have created these Generally favorable um, liquidity conditions um, in the aftermath of its massive intervention in 2020, and that's going to be very hard for them to do going forward.
0: Are we seeing similar issues in the eurozone, Thomas, around liquidity?
2: Yes, we also see these liquidity in- indicators edging edging upwards for, for example, for German bonds, for Italian sovereign bonds, and. Also here, the the ECB on one hand is is going through the quantitative tightening, but then you have this issue of diverging sovereign borrower costs uh, with Italy as as a a prominent example. And they have um, created an instrument, TPI, the transmission protection instrument, to kind of fight this fragmentation risk um whereby they would you know reinvest um the proceeds from the the sovereign bonds they have on the balance sheet into countries where the sovereign borrowing costs are are going up but you can see that they're also having to choose between quantitative tightening on one end and then kind of fighting this fragmentation risk so i think also here in the bond markets we we have to pay close attention to these uh, to these issues
0: and of course we can't forget about the uk we now know who the new prime minister will be, and she's going to face, among other issues, back to energy. Energy costs estimated to rise 80% this year. So where should we look there? What's, what's going on in the UK in terms of the overall inflation picture?
2: I think the UK is, is rather similar to the eurozone. Actually, inflation in the UK is higher than in the Eurozone. Um, the, the July reading was 10.1%, a 40-year peak, and actually it's expected um, to go to go higher. So they're also having the issue of high energy prices, as you just mentioned, and a tight uh, job market. So um, peak inflation has probably not been reached and, and we will see higher UK inflation numbers in, in the coming months. And in terms of the monetary policy, last Monday, um, Catherine Mann, a Bank of England rate center, um, raised very similar concerns to what Isabel Schnabel said, namely the, the risk of inflation expectations becoming unanchored. And she also argued for a fast and forceful monetary tightening. Now next week, Thursday, um, they will um, they will have their policy meeting. So uh, then we'll find out how they will hike rates in, in September. Um, but in the longer term, if we look at market implied expectations, we see that um, investors are expecting rate hikes to above 4% by mid-2023. So I'd say the picture is, um, is similar to, to the Eurozone.
0: Let's get down to the portfolio level. With all of this as background, we always talk in financial services about the 60/40 investment mix, 60% equities, 40% fixed income. What are we looking at in terms of impact on those types of strategies given all the background?
1: It's had a, a very um significant impact, and so If you look at the performance of the 60-40 portfolio this year, and I'm just looking within the U.S. market, so 60% U.S. equities, 40% um, the 10-year U.S. Treasury, this has been the worst inflation-adjusted performance since 73-74. So really, really bad performance. And on top of it, if you look at previous time periods when the 60-40 is really underperformed. And by the way, 2008 during the financial crisis, that was um, a a bad period for the 60-40. But in those earlier drawdowns in the 60-40, it was mainly equities bringing down the whole whole portfolio. And so, for example, in 2008, equities were down almost 35% in 2008, but treasuries rallied very significantly. And that was Helped, helped significantly by by massive Fed intervention um, in the wake of the financial crisis. This time around in 2022, we've seen bonds are down a lot in return, just as equities are as well. And so that diversification that bonds played, for example, in 2008 with the big equity sell-off, bonds increased in value and stabilized portfolios. This time around, it's the the the, the um, trade-off in equities is being reinforced by bonds and so i think it really is fundamentally calling into question the benefit of bonds as a diversifier in in multi-asset portfolios and continuing with this line of thought we did do some research lately recently where we um, looked at uh, equity market sell-offs of more than two percent since 2021. And we found that beginning in September of 2021, each time there is an equity sell-off of more than 2%, bonds also sold off. And this stands in very strong contrast to the prior 20 years when equity sold off, bonds tended to rally. So I think there is a very fundamental question about how much of a diversifier bonds will play in multi-asset portfolios going forward. And we think one... Very important issue to focus on is um, is the Fed and its actions. The Fed has been consistently underscoring its focus on reducing inflation and uh, is, is willing to tighten financial market conditions until inflation is pushed to uh, a sustainably lower level, close to the 2% target. The question is whether the Fed will really be able to succeed. If the Fed is able to bring down inflation expectations, the, the traditional or at least by the standards of the past 20 years, this negative co movement that we've seen for um, 20 years may begin to reassert itself. But until then, multi um, multi asset investors need to carefully look at their portfolios and that diversification benefit that they have generally expected to bonds may not be as apparent in um, over the next few months.
0: Andy Thomas. Always so great to talk to both of you, and like I said at the top of the program, the opportunity to hear the two of you discussing these issues together has been very informative and provided insights for for all investors. So thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having us, Adam. It was a pleasure.
0: That's all for this week. A big thanks from Joe and me to Andy and Thomas, and to all of you for listening. And. We know that listening goes both ways. So if you happen to be on a platform with reviews, why not take a few moments and let us know what you think. Next up on the program, we talk sustainable water sources, diving into some of the science, and why investors may want to pay attention. Until then, I'm your host Adam Bass, and this is MSCI Perspectives. Stay safe,